Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. Super happy to be with you today. It's Sunday, March 30th. Can't believe it's the end of March already. I am joined by two of my big sisters, Liz Dolan in Santa Monica, California. Hey, Lizzie. How you doing there, Leon? It's a beautiful weekend out here at the beach. Uh, What's shaking? It's it seems yeah. It's earthquake weather. Yeah, uh, earthquake it is. weather. That's for sure. More on that later. And then joining us today, so happy from the very wet, uh, Portland, Oregon, Monica Dolan, special guest appearance. Hi, Monica. <laughs> hey, good. Good to be with you guys. I know I've been uh, missing in action for the past uh, couple of weeks, but I'm back. And it hasn't been us preventing you from being on the show, has it, Monica? I'm I'm always welcome. It's usually I have to go into work on the weekend or sometimes I'm just so worn out from work (laughs) that um, I can't do the show. But I'm back. We just wanted to set aside some Facebook rumors that somehow we were holding you back or something. (laughs) It's It's not that. (laughs) Um, We have a rich full show for you today. Uh, Monica was on jury duty, and I think someone noted the other day that the Dolan sisters seem to go on jury duty more than any other citizens in the United States. I believe that that's true. I'm shocked you were on jury duty right after Julie. We did have uh, an earthquake this week, so we have an earthquake report here. We have many earthquakes We had 100 earthquakes this week, Lee, and I looked it up. We had 100. Quite a few. And, of course, the big news of the week is that... um, is that Gwyneth and Chris are consciously uncoupling. And I have a few other alternatives. If uh, you're considering, you know, breaking up with your spouse, but don't want to say the D word, I have a few other alternatives for that. Cause I'm frankly all for consciously uncoupling. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. <laughs> all right. But first Monica, uh, how was jury duty? Well, good, Lee, and I want to tell you, I learned four things on jury duty this past week. Now, I had a two-day assignment. It was Monday and Tuesday, and I know from my previous jury duty that you need, they open up the jury duty room early at 730, and you need to get there early to secure one of the couches in the back of the room, Yeah, because they only have two or three couches. And if you don't get on the couch, you're just stuck sitting straight up in a chair for two full days. And so I got there at 730. I ran, I staked out my spot two days on the couch, did not get. So I'm trying to picture like the doors open and you run into jury duty. It's exactly, Leon. I started on Sunday night, started thinking, oh my God, I have to set the alarm. I took the bus downtown. I've got to get on like the 6 a.m. bus because I'm going to get one of those couches. Because otherwise I just can't sit straight up in a chair, like a very uncomfortable chair for two days. Um, So one thing I learned is, your boss is not notified when you are dismissed early from jury <laughs> duty, which happened on Monday on the most glorious spring day. That It, it was the warmest day we've had in Portland in like two years. Um, and we got out at 1130. And, you know, um, Leon, I just saw that as my time, my personal time to reflect. A, l- a little me time? <clears throat> to reflect on the law. And what it means to be a good citizen. 
Um, so I did not go into work. I, I just saw that as me time. Um, I did, however, make sure I, I got a letter when I finished jury duty. They'll give you a letter saying that you had two days of service, verifying your attendance. They do not note on the letter when they let you out early. Okay. <laughs> so let's go back to the couches. This is the, the second thing I learned. So there were four of us on these two couches face to face for two days. And if you've ever been in a jury room, I don't know what it is about it. It is just has a so horrific quality to it. Yeah. I mean, feel like you have been shot with a tranquilizer. <laughs> I mean, you just can't stay awake. You were like drooling and nodding off. It's just, I guess it's just this warm, closed in environment and you're doing nothing. So you get very sleepy. So on the second afternoon, none of us had been called from the couches to go to a jury. So um, the second afternoon, um, one of the guys in our group, I'll just call it our group, uh, pulled out a car magazine, like classic cars. Leah, mm-hmm. I thought about you and your family. <laughs> Thank and you. We launched, we, I, not me, but they launched into this very lively discussion about cars. He owned six classic Chevys. The other guy owned four classic Fords. Okay. Then the woman sitting next to me, she jumped right in and she went right for the fact that she said, you know what? My husband, my father were a Mopar family. She goes, we're just all Mopars. And I am thinking, what is Mopar? What is Mopar? I have never heard that phrase before. What What is Mopar? What is Mopar? And of course I'm thinking a motor. I didn't know what brand of car that is. I thought if I had a smartphone, I could Google it, but I don't have a smartphone. Yes. Yes. So now they're talking. Be honest. You didn't even have your phone with you. You didn't even have that crap phone you have. I had the crap phone with me. Okay. I had to turn it off as if anyone would dare to call me on that crap phone. Right. So, um, They start talking about carburetors, Hemis, car clubs that they all belong to. It was really a fun discussion, even though I just sat there thinking, I got nothing. (laughs) I got a VW that's duct taped together. But it was, uh, they started sort of bemoaning the fact, just a little bit, that, you know, it's a generational thing, this loving old cars and fixing them up and belonging to car clubs and that they don't see the younger generation at any of these, you know, club car club meets or whatever they're called. And um, that they're just worried that the next generation is not going to know how to fix cars. So then the woman took out her phone and started showing me pictures of her Mopars. <laughs> and uh, that's what I learned. It's Dodge. So the oh. name, yeah, Dodge. So she had a bunch of Dodge trucks and Dodge cars. And I connected with that. And I learned out that Mopar means motor parts. That's what it stands for. But Lee, and they use it to describe Chevy cars. Um, so, and she had, they had Dodges and Chevys. So there you go, Mopar. Okay. That was the, that was like the <laughs> second thing I learned. And I Thank would you. say this was like, it was amazing to me that, in this whole room, out of four people sitting there, three of them were like avid car enthusiasts. That is that is incredible. It was incredible. There must be some correlation between people who are car enthusiasts and people who are couch enthusiasts. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, it or makes I, sense. I thought you were going to say car enthusiasts and people that show up for jury duty. <laughs> right. But, um, <laughs> it was a very lively discussion, and I would have welcomed any of those people on my jury had I committed a crime. Or <laughs> okay, then the third thing, then the fourth thing I learned is um, I think you guys have heard of Airbnb. Yes. Yes. Okay, so it's kind of a poor man's, a cheaper version of vacation rental by owner where people rent out rooms in their house. Um, and it's, you know, a little bit, I don't know. Some people don't pay uh, taxes. It, I don't know. The legality of it is a little shaky, but it's a big deal. And I guess Airbnb uh, the company's worth billions of dollars, so then now they've decided to move to Portland <laughs> to make that their uh, their U.S. headquarters. So there was an article; it's been in the news a lot uh, lately. Airbnb. So I learned from reading the local newspaper that there's also a service called Air P and P. First of all, I love one-offs like that, so I got to give them credit. I don't know what it is, but it's just funny. Okay, so Air P and P. Okay, you gotta go, and you gotta go bad. So you search on Air P and P, and you can walk into someone's house. They've listed their bathroom on, <laughs> oh on Air P and P, and their bathroom is open. And so you need to use the loo. You just knock on the front door. And they charge, people charge like a dollar. So complete strangers <laughs> come to your house and use the bathroom when they're in dire need. I just, it's like, can you imagine like you're home at night watching Dancing with the Stars and a complete stranger walks into your house to use the potty? I mean... Okay, that does not sound sanitary or wise or safe. There is absolutely nothing about that idea that is appealing. No, either as, as on either end of the transaction. Exactly. As yeah, either as the PR or the PE. I don't yes. yeah. I mean I I would have to charge more for number two. <laughs> okay. That's what I decided after reading this. I don't even think my bathroom is worth a dollar, but uh it's <laughs> It would be one way to get your bathroom remodel fund together, Monica. What, right, Lynn. One dollar at a time. Uh, I'm just, I'm not going for it. Air P&P. And I'm not, I'm not using it. I just, I enjoy going to fast food places. Yeah. <laughs> or hotels. Or hotels. Right. Oh, okay. So well, those are the four things you learned on jury duty? <laughs> those are the four things I learned on jury duty. Nothing about the law. Okay. So you didn't get on a jury or anything? I didn't. I didn't even get called to get it. I would have welcomed getting on a jury. You know, I was on jury duty once before, and it was a two-week trial, and it was really interesting. So I was kind of disappointed. But then we started talking about cars, and well, that was fun, too. <laughs> Well, I can tell them that they're wrong, that the next generation is learning to fix cars because all of my son's friends have bought old, terrible cars and they're fixing them up. Oh, so oh, really? don't worry. Oh, they should. Good. They And that these are probably the same generation of kids that would use Airbnb. So uh, <laughs> it's all this. There is a generational divide. I don't trust any of those things. I'm sorry. I don't trust Craigslist. I don't trust Airbnb. I am not trusting. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it's funny. I've been investigating Airbnb a little bit just in my role as a board member of my homeowners association here, because in my building, of course, we're, 
where people seem to be able to cook up all kinds of new bad behavior. Like what's up, what's the policy on that? Right. And there's seems to be some of it happening here in my little building. And I was very happy to discover that it's actually against the law. In most places, it mm-hmm. is a violation yes. of the zoning regulations. Oh, okay. So so not only is it against the law zoning-wise, it, it, there is this huge issue you mentioned, Monica, where you said some people don't pay taxes on the money. I think zero people pay taxes <laughs> on the money. Right, I and think- that's, why, that's why they do it. Because uh, yeah. it's a cheap way to make money. Yeah. So so I, I love the concept of the sharing economy. You know, that's the new big buzzword, the sharing economy. And I get that. But it's also there are elements of this that seem like a really bad idea. And that's why they're against the law. So it's it's I know it's hip, but mm, I'm with you, Leon. I just think it's a way of sort of subverting a lot of things that we might not want to subvert, like the safety of our building. Yeah, or common a sense. Of, right, common sense. Uh, it's like subverting common sense. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right, having a stranger come in your yeah. house and use your potty. I mean, when I was traveling in Europe as a college kid, you would, you know, you would get off the train and a little Italian woman or a little Greek woman would meet you at the train and say, I have a room in my house. It was not yeah. like if you're on a Greek island, that seems fine. It's like sleeping in someone's extra bedroom and you're 22 and it's $12. Okay. But it, yeah, if you're like living in a condo where you live in Santa Monica, Liz, no, I don't, I don't believe you want strangers wandering in and out of the building. Right. So yeah, because uh, you really do just want to make lots of sets of keys and have all kinds of people have them. You know, yeah. That, that's a good policy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hate to be a spoil sport. But you're going to have to start uh, baking brownies or something for the extra income. But (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. So the big news this week that I was actually very sad to hear about with that Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin broke up. I'm not – I enjoy Gwyneth Paltrow. I have no issues with her. I don't understand why she has been ranked as the most hateable celebrity. I don't understand that either, I She's gorgeous. She's a good actress. <laughs> yeah. She, she married a rock star. She married a really cute rock star. Who is also star. gorgeous. Yeah. I, you know, she seems to be a good mom. I, am I going to hold it against her that she doesn't eat, like, wheat ever? No. I, good for her. I mean, I wish I had that sense of discipline. And I don't have any of that. And, and that she's created a successful website. Again, not going to hold it against her. She seems like a very nice young lady. But she received a lot of grief this week because instead of just saying Chris Martin and I are getting divorced, she said that she, Chris Martin and I are unconsciously, wait, no, consciously, consciously uncoupling. Okay, consciously uncoupling. And apparently this is a buzzword that was created by a psychotherapist here in Los Angeles. And, you know, it's the idea that we have simply grown apart. And this is a kinder, gentler divorce. And we're not going to, you know, dredge up the past. We're going to move forward in a, in a mm. conscious way to be positive. So... I had no issue with that, but that is a stupid phrase. I mean, you have to like, sometimes she brings it on herself, Gwyneth Paltrow. So exactly. I think that's what the haters fix on. Yeah. Is that, and there's a certain holier than thou quality that the haters hate. Right. And if you were worried that she was going to write a book named Consciously Uncoupling, no, don't worry because the psychotherapist who coined the term already has registered the Earl and already has a book deal in 
progress. So don't worry. It's not going to be Gwyneth's book, but the book is coming about consciously uncoupling. But as I talked to a bunch of my long married friends, we all thought it sounded like a fine idea. That... <laughs> You know, like, huh, because first of all, we can all cite many couples who unconsciously uncouple, you know, they're just like after 25 years of marriage, they look at each other and go, well, we have nothing in common anymore. Huh? Now what are we going to do? So I came up with a couple of other terms in case you're, you're in a relationship and you're wondering how to break it off. I noticed. Oh, great. Okay. This will be helpful. Yeah. So I noticed. Have you, have you already registered all of these terms, Liam, before you just spill them out? I haven't. I haven't, Liz. Uh, So get on it, Liz. You can do it simultaneously. Okay. So I noticed this week an article with Lindsay Vaughn, who said, you know, she's now famously, she was famously dating her coach that turned into a very bad relationship. They divorced and now she's dating a worst catch on the planet, Tiger Woods. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, but she did state this week, she is never getting married again. So I would put Lindsay Vaughn in the consciously never freaking getting married again category. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would support that decision. That's the thing I don't understand about some of these people. Like, if you're so clearly going to be bad at it, why do you do it? Right. Just don't, don't get married, people. Like, why did Tiger ever get married in the first place? Yeah. Anyway. Okay. That's a good one, Liam. Okay. So and here's another one. I think some people can relate to this. Some couples consciously married, unconsciously sitting on the couch. You know, that <laughs> you just, you're married, but you realize night after night after night, we're just sitting on the couch. Huh. Mm-hmm. Nothing mm-hmm. going on here. Uh, a couple of years ago, I spoke to a friend of mine and I was saying, you know, hey, how's, how's, married, how's married life? And she goes, you know, I like being married, but I wouldn't mind dating occasionally. Totally get. So I have consciously coupled, but dating as one category. <laughs> And then uh, the last category I see as I look amongst people is just unconscious. You know, there are a lot of, there's a lot of people are just I wandering. I see a lot of couples like that. Yeah. They're both unconscious. So if consciously uncoupling is not for you, there are other alternatives to that. Other alternatives. Yeah, that's good. You know, it, it did spawn some hilarious discussions all during the week. You know, so this is when Twitter and Facebook and talk radio really shine. When you have... When you have a, a term like this that you can play around with on, on Kevin and Bean the other morning, which is a talk show here in L.A. that's so funny, they were talking about uh, conscious uncoupling and they did it as a call in, Leon, and they said, OK, if you're if you have we just don't believe this is possible. The friendly divorce, the any of that, we don't believe it. So if you have a happy tale to tell, call in. And I was really surprised how many people did have happy tales to call in. And they were the one that was the best. And they were like, well, okay, yeah, that sounds pretty good. This woman called in to explain that she and her husband, they just did not get along at all when they were in the same house. But now they just live apart. And they were originally going to get divorced. That's why she moved out. But when she moved out, Their relationship improved so dramatically that they're just staying married, uh, but living apart. Consciously coupled, but dating is almost. That's exactly what they're doing. And, and she said, and so they asked like, is this, does this mean it's a still a monogamous relationship? And she's like, well, you know, we haven't really covered that yet. (laughs) 
Um, you know, we have to be open to anything, but I would say for me, it's not something I need to do right now. And I, I was thinking, yeah, but for him, uh, that you know, might be a different. People find their own ways in relationships, Liz. I agree. Yeah. She, she sounded so happy. You, you could not argue that that was the right solution for her. Yeah. So, there is a lot to be said about the idea that, like, we live a million times longer than we used to. I think that was the original idea behind this conscious uncoupling was that, you know, you used to live to, like, 35. So when you married someone at 20, <laughs> and chances are, you know, your wife would die during childbirth. And, right. you know, like, it wouldn't actually be marriages for 60 years. If you look at all those history of marriages, it is kind of interesting. So uh, I-, I can sort of understand, like, mm, well, a 60-year marriage is not necessarily for everybody. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. <laughs> and I, I think, think especially if you're a rock star or a movie star, mm, yeah. you can, there are other choices. Yeah. A lot of options out there. A lot of options. If you're either Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, she's probably going to have a harder time. I think <laughs> than he will. He's going on a world tour. I think he's going to have uh, uh, plenty of options, Liz, <laughs> which is good because the single off that album is lame. Oh, wow. That's a oh, lame really? song. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. I mean, if that's the single, yeah, his career is unconscious at this point. So. <laughs> okay. Bad for Coldplay, good for Chris Martin. Yes. <laughs> okay. So um, other major headline of the week, especially if you live in Southern California, is uh, we had an earthquake on Friday night that was a 5.1-er, which is you know, you hear these numbers. I haven't lived in Southern California all that long, but I would say, Leanne, that that was the biggest earthquake that I've experienced since I've lived here. Oh, and Monica, okay. I know you, you were probably seeing various, you know, email traffic between us. But so, Leanne, out at your place, what did 5.1 feel like? Well, it was a roller. As opposed yeah. to like the big boom we had a couple weeks ago. So right. it shook the house for a good long time. Ooh, but yeah. I, we are not on that fault line. You are oh. on that fault line. <laughs> uh, Santa Monica is on that fault. So Apparently, I think it yes. was probably uh, stronger where you were. Because mm-hmm. I was upstairs in my bedroom. Like three kids were watching TV on the couch. Another one was in his bedroom. And we all just stayed put. And then it was, I just yelled down, everyone okay? Fine. And people <laughs> Like, it wasn't even worth me going downstairs to, like, (laughs) confirm that the people in my home were still alive. Uh, So, (laughs) but what it was, we have had, but we had one yesterday, too. We've had a swarm. Liz, yes, an earthquake swarm, which I'm just glad we can get in on some of these cool weather terms. You know, <laughs> we have not been able to participate in like lake effect snow or polar freeze, but now we have swarming earthquakes, which is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, so I was I was interested in the whole swarm thing because you you naturally conclude that if you're having like a bunch of earthquakes all at the same time, like now within days of each other. Yeah. And it wasn't just one earthquake and aftershocks, though we did have 100 aftershocks. Okay? Yeah. So you got the earthquake, you got the 100 aftershocks, then you got another earthquake. I thought, are we building up to something? Is this is this right. some kind of a sign? And when you think that here in California, the answer is always provided by Caltech's Lucy Jones, right? She's the earthquake lady. Yes, and Lucy Jones said this was all a normal aftershock sequence, but that really didn't satisfy me because it just seems like 
a sign of something. So we have another earthquake expert uh, in our family, believe, believe it or not, uh, Julie's international businessman husband, besides being that, has an actual PhD in geology, which, which in our family means we turn to him for almost any issue of science or even geography for that matter. <laughs> Sure. Geography is close enough to geology, yeah. so that he's really our go-to guy for that too. So, so I thought, I thought, well, okay, Lucy Jones, thank you. I'm going to get a second opinion on this. So I talked to him this morning. They are in uh, D.C. Uh, at a wedding this weekend. I'm like, so what's the deal? Are we building up to something? Are these connected to each other at all? And the short answer is no. So I felt good until he elaborated on that and said, well, there are so many faults in Southern California that are building up so much pressure that the fact that this fault shifted at all doesn't mean that it's going to get that. It actually means that that shifts the the pressure or whatever the right word is. The stress was the (laughs) word that he used. That actually shifts it north towards beyond the San Bernardino mountains. He said there's, that's where a lot of the faults all come together. And he's like, Bakersfield is a mess is from, from his point of view, fault wise. But he said the, so the idea that you got a big earthquake on that fault on Friday doesn't mean that it's going to be a bigger one on the same fault next week. In fact, it diminishes that risk. But that risk is totally unrelated to the many other faults we have going everywhere. And so you don't necessarily need to feel worse about what's happening, except that there are so many faults, the big one could really strike at any point. So <laughs> I'm not sure exactly how to feel about yeah. that. But so, Leon, if you're enjoying some of these new terms, here's one he threw at me. He said, you know, when you go north of the mountains and you see all those lakes there, that that is where the earth has been down warped. And that's where all the pressure really is. Ooh. I'm like, you're kidding. He said, does that surprise you? I was like, no, I just mean down warped is a word. <laughs> <laughs> I have not heard that word. He said, well, you would think of it as depression, like the depressions in the earth. uh, That's where all the action is. And interestingly, the depressions in the earth that form the lakes are actually formed by compression. So just wrap your mind around that, the compression forming the depression and that's that's down warping for you. There so, you go. I actually understand that. Okay. Yes. So you can. Uh, so I think we're going to have a lot of opportunity to introduce the word down warping into our conversations <laughs> here in Southern California. Monica, maybe in Portland, not so much. Are people even talking about our trouble here in Southern California? Yes, we care about you. But you know, we've had me- we've we had a lot of earthquake activity this week up on Mount Hood. Yeah. So maybe you did. Yeah. We were feeling like we weren't in it. Because everything was happening in Southern California. So they started in the newspaper front page. It was all about a lot of earthquake activity up on Mount Hood this week. So, Okay. Well, I um, I was motivated by the 100 earthquakes and aftershocks to like... Um, <laughs> Buy really... some bottled water lists? No, I, I, I have a lot of bottled water, Monica, but I realized that was really all I had. And <laughs> I was probably going to need more than that. So I went to Quake Care. Uh, the emergency preparedness experts online oh, and wow. Yes, I did. And I bought two survival kits. Well, three actually, but I'm going to explain the third, uh, because you figure you need one in your home and you need one in your car. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. chances are you're not going to be home. 
or there's good. So like I bought those two and that has all the usual blankets and dried food and, you know, water purification tablets and things like that. And then I saw the category that was called pet kits. And I thought, well, does Ferris need his own kit? I had never really thought about that. How are you going to feed and care for your dog in the event of an earthquake? So I went to the pet kit page where you have a choice between the ultimate deluxe dog survival kit and just the deluxe dog survival kit. So you feel pretty guilty not going for the ultimate deluxe. Yes. But I, that, I, I went for just the – I thought deluxe – Ferris would enjoy the deluxe and that he'll never know that I didn't get him the ultimate deluxe. What is so, – is it pepperoni sticks? <laughs> well, it has – so it has dog food packets. It has water boxes with straws. I'm not sure the dogs really have straws. <laughs> I know, I so I have a feeling those are the same water boxes that you get in, um, in the human kit that I'm getting. Thermal blankets, um, deluxe pet first aid kit. You get the bowls. You get an extra collar and leash. You get, you know, poop bags, a dog toy. But then you also get the um, emergency light sticks. Again, not too sure he's going to be able to operate those on his own. <laughs> or the water purification tablets. I'm not seeing him really operate that. And then here's the thing I need your advice on. You get you get a decal, or I get a decal, which when I looked at like, what's the decal for? Like to put it on the dog? Or to, what do I do with the decal? And it's, you know, like the old ones that used you would put on your second story window and it would say a kid's in here and yeah. it was meant for the fire firefighters. Well, that's what this is. This is, there's a pet in this home. So I guess when people oh. are searching for survivors and I'm just not sure I can put that on my window. No, I, I would. I, wouldn't that, plus I'm up on the second story. Yeah. I, I just don't think people would see it anyway. But so I think I'm going to lose the decal. Just, I can skip that. Maybe we'll have a few lessons for Ferris on how to operate the emergency light sticks, and then we'll be good to go. Between that and my my own kit. Oh, I, <laughs> one other part of the the one that I bought for my home. Yeah. Because in in a car, I got the backpack style, right? Yeah. Because you're gonna have to. But walk in my home, I got the big tub full of stuff. Tub, sure. Yeah, it's a big tub, but I did not opt. And tell me if you think this is a mistake. I did not opt for the snap-on toilet seat on the tub. What? <laughs> Wait, what is what? that? What are you going to snap on to? I, oh. guess the, I guess the idea is in the event of an earthquake or any other oh. big natural disaster, you would take all of your supplies out of the tub, but then the tub itself becomes your toilet. Oh, become, oh. Oh, what do you know? So you sound interested in the snap-on toilet seat. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm thinking like, I finally think we still have those little mini potties from when the kids were potty training. I think I still have one of those. I'm just going to put that in my earthquake safe room. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about that. That You might want to keep keep one in the back of your car. Yeah, sure. That's just like I did when they were training. Yeah. Fantastic Please, idea. You might have a toilet in the trunk of your car. Yeah. Who knows? Because it's buried under everything else that's in there. Uh, it could uh, be. You're right, Monica. So I have no shortage of like paper in there is what I'm guessing in the car. <laughs> so, you know, I, I do find myself occasionally doing things like the other day, granola bars were two for one. So I bought like four packs thinking, well, 
okay, these are my earthquake granola bars. I mean, it's, it's irrational. Yeah. Like my earthquake kit is fairly random. You know, it's just like, well, I'll just keep a lot of stuff in the pantry. That seems good. And I won't feel bad about having bottled water, juice boxes around, uh, things like that. But the things you might actually need, like the battery powered radio and stuff, I don't have those, but I have like eight boxes of granola bars. So okay, I don't know. I need to get on it. Okay. Well, I will trade you news for my brand new battery operated radio. (laughs) Now mine is solar, Liam. It's solar. Oh yeah. I guess that's what you need now. Yeah. Or a crank Solar and one crank. or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we so we I, could use one of those. But I've got that in the tub. Yeah. Uh, so I'll take that out of the tub. I can, I, so whatever information you need, I can fill you in on. And you can give me some of your granola bars. Yeah. yeah and I the Girl Scout cookies. Just, I have plenty of Girl Scout cookies <laughs> in my earthquake. I, I, every time I buy like pop-top cans of tuna fish, I think of that too. Like, oh yeah, this will be good in an earthquake. So yeah. I can buy plenty of these. And we already decided Mia's out. She's on her own. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's... yeah. Mia's yeah. your dog. Yeah, she's out. We're, we can't We can't get – a German Shepherd, you can't – they. I can't accommodate her. <laughs> we so she's you know she's nine now. She's had a rich full life. She's on her own. We're just gonna. <laughs> so... Okay, well, this the, the the dog kit, the people kits that you buy are for two or four or six. You know, so I've got, and I'm only one, but the uh, so I'm gonna have some extra for that. And a lot of the dog kits too come with two of everything. So if. Uh, if Mia finds her way here to Santa Monica, <laughs> she'll, she'll, okay. <laughs> Ferris and I will be ready. Okay. So um, we have quite a few mailbag issues. Do you guys want to dig into the mailbag yeah. for a second? Yes. Okay. First, uh, breaking news, Kathy on our Facebook page, Leanne wanted you to know, Leanne, you were written up in the Santa Barbara News Press today about your participation in the Calm Luncheon. Oh, Would fantastic. you like me to send the article to you? Oh, yeah, Kathy, please do. For some reason, yeah. that Santa Barbara News Press, I've tried to get articles from that paper before, and they charge you for everything. You can't even see the paper. So uh, please, Kathy, that would be great. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah, that was a great event. That's the one where Carol Burnett was there, you know, to see Tim Conway. So I'm sure I didn't get a big mention, but uh, fantastic. Great. <laughs> okay, good. Um, all right, next up, Cindy. Um, now Cindy's been a listener for a really long time and I would have known that anyway, but she says I'm a long time listener. (laughs) And among the many questions I would like to ask the sisters is this, how is Leon's husband's office situation working out? I think it was last summer. They were going to have something beyond an open office plan when they didn't really have any assigned desks. I'm fortunate that I've always had a private office and I can't imagine functioning in such an environment. Could we get a few minutes on that one of these days. So what's the update on your, on your husband's office? Oh, Cindy, that's a great question. You know, um, my husband works for a big real estate firm in downtown Los Angeles, and they did switch to this completely digitized, paperless, equalitarian office in the summer. Uh, they moved in in September. Paperless. Now, people remember that. So everyone has like a locker and a desktop, uh, and they're able to rotate um, workstations, reserve offices, telephone rooms if they want to, conference rooms every day, but they don't have any assigned seats. That's from the CEO of the company to the big real estate brokers to the, you know, interns working there. And Cindy, I can tell you, he said it has been absolutely life-changing for their business. 
Like it is a completely different company because of this new workspace, uh, that there is so much more interaction, which was the point. There would be more interaction between the divisions, between, you know, the higher ups and lower downs and, uh, people are more energized. I mean, the space is beautiful. There's a lot of things built into the office that make sure you get up and get exercise. And there are lots of water stations and you have to walk to print and there's a coffee bar down stairs. The concierge will make you coffee in the morning and healthy snacks. It's all part of the wellness plan. The desks go up and down. So we said a lot of people really take advantage of, because they're on the phone a lot. They're, They're brokers. They're doing a lot of conference calls. So you're not sitting at a desk. You're standing at a desk. Uh, He said it has completely changed sort of the energy level of people's work habits. People enjoy coming to work. And he said the biggest surprise, my husband's job, now he's been traveling a lot more. And he goes to other offices. There are other offices in Dallas or Atlanta or Houston. He said he just can't wait to get out of there. He said, I can't believe we worked in cubbies for 25 years, you know, and he's worked for this company for 25 years. So it has been a raging success, Cindy. And the other thing is uh, because they are in a real estate company, they have had literally thousands of clients come through. So they, the whole point was that this would be a show place, like they, this would be a demonstration to their clients. Hey, you investment banking firm or you tech company or you advertising agency, we can get you a space like this. They literally have had 4,000 people through their offices. Wow. And like Barrick said, you know, it's, it's literally like CEOs flying in from, you know, Asian companies to look at the space to, you know, he said, every time I turn around, I'm shocked. There's like the mayor walking through or Bill Clinton walked through or, you know, I mean, it's just kind of a big deal. It has completely changed the way they do business. Does everyone love it? No. A couple of the big brokers left. They wanted their own office and it just wasn't jibing with them. But the idea was like, you got to get on board or find someplace else to work. And um, so they just came back to Liz. <laughs> You'll appreciate this. This is so barrack. Um <laughs> You know, his 50th birthday is coming up and he's been adamant that he does not want to party, doesn't want to do anything, doesn't want to celebrate it, does not want it. Liz, Monica generously offered, oh, I'll host a party downtown for Barrick, you know, at a restaurant. That sounds good. And I pitched that to him. No, wasn't interested. So yesterday he goes, you know what? I think I figured out what I want to do for my 50th birthday. And I'm like, what? He said, I thought it would be fun if everyone would come downtown to the office space and I could, meaning everyone, the family, you guys, his parents. uh, And then I could do a presentation for him on the big video screen. And then we could all go out to dinner. (laughs) I was like, are you kidding? I am not kidding. I am not kidding that that for his 50th birthday, he wants you to come to the office so he can do a presentation for you. (laughs) <laughs> wow, I had no idea he was th- that far gone. That is- is- <laughs> so Cindy, he's a believer. I mean, he's a believer. <laughs> but that's, he said, it has completely changed the way they work, you know, from the, particularly the digitization that everything, there is not yeah. a single piece of paper in the office. 
So, you know, all the presentations that they do to clients are on these big, you know, multidimensional screens now and stuff. It's just really kind of opened people up to sort of new and creative and different thinking. But that's it. Big 50th birthday party plans. Party at the office, Liz. Mark your calendars. Party down. But you know what? It's such a gorgeous space. I, I said, great. You know, I'm like, mom, I'm like, I'll bring hors d'oeuvres and champagne. Yes, we get some kind of <laughs> so, so, and you know, they have a lot of people that work a lot of weekends. And he said, it's just a much, like when you're working long hours, he just keeps saying it's very energizing because there's so much natural light. There's just a natural way of walking. There's a natural way of interacting. You don't feel so alone and so miserable when you're working on the weekends. So there you go. Cindy, good update. Thanks for asking. Okay. The, the, uh, that, it's interesting that people were interested in that and that it's so interesting to actually hear it. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, it is the office of the future. I mean, we joked about it, but it actually is. They actually pulled it off. So there you go. Okay. All right. So um, next question is from Kristen. And she said she is jealous of the things the Cali sisters are doing this week. So, because we were talking about Paley Fest, Leah. Mm -hmm. And she said, Paley Fest is something I want to do every year. Admittedly, I'll sometimes watch the panels online. It's not the same, though. There's always something fun and interesting to do out there, it seems. And it's true. Leanne and I went to the uh, Dolby Theater, which until recently was the Kodak Theater. So it's a big theater where the Oscars are. And uh, for the series of TV panels that we talked about on earlier shows. But this week we went to see the Veep cast mm -hmm. and creator. And it was pretty fun, wasn't it? It was great. And we also saw, we went back to back, my boys and I saw Community. So we saw the Community cast and creator and then the Veep cast and creator. You know what? It, it, if you enjoy TV... It is a, it's a unique opportunity to sort of hear from the creators of the show that you very rarely hear from, you know, plus the stars of the show. And at the Paley Fest, I would say the panels we saw, the creators of the show are really the stars of Paley Fest. So you're, if you're interested in sort of how stories are born and how, you know, the, the TV behind the scenes from a writer's standpoint, it, it's a fantastic opportunity. And then you discover that, wow, these actors on these top shows, they are usually very interesting and very funny. And, you know, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, like, she's a great comedian who t clearly takes her work very seriously. You know, that was yeah. my impression of that, too. Yeah. Yeah. And the, um, I, as we were walking out, we were thinking, you know, if someone did want to plan a vacation to L.A. and just, like, do a fun bunch of things around L.A. and you're a big TV fan, Paley Fest would actually be a good time to come. Fantastic you know? time. Yeah. Get, get yourself tickets to two or three of these panels for your favorite shows and then just have a real vacation. But it's sort of a fun, interesting insight into how television gets created and very entertaining. Yeah. So, you know, the, I went to Parks and Rec and Veep. The Parks and Rec was like, really fun, really comedic. Amy Poehler did a lot of the talking and so did the show creator, but she's an executive producer of that show. So she did more talking than Julia Louis-Dreyfus did in the Veep panel. Um, but they were all really, really interesting. So, um, yeah, I yeah, think that's what surprised my sons in the community panel. It was Dan Harmon, the original creator who had actually been fired off the show and then brought back. So community is one of those real cult shows. So it was packed. The Dolby theater is the, 
the Oscar theater. It's much smaller when you get there in person than it looks like on the Oscars. Uh, so we were close to the front, but all like five tiers were completely packed with community fans. And um, what was clear when you hear the creator Dan Harmon talk is he's the voice of the show. I mean, I think people still think like actors make up all the lines, you know, even though, like, yes, right. because the writers are unseen. Spider, but you right. can't help but think that it's the actor. It's the actor making up all lines. And, you know, Dan Harmon was hilarious. I mean, he was unbelievably funny, uh, you know, and the actors really seated to him on the panel. They themselves were funny, but the interesting question that came up on that one was about, um, uh, you know, improvisation. How much do they do? And the actors pretty much said none. Like very, very little on community, which is such a nutty, wacky, creatively put together show. I think that surprised the kids. They were like, wow, I guess the writers really do write the lines on television. And then um, Armando Inucci, the creator of Veep, described their process. And what they get to do more than any other TV show is rehearse because they're working at HBO where they only have to do nine episodes a year, not 22. So they do a lot. of All the writers are British on that show, which I didn't know. I didn't know that either. I thought that was really interesting and yeah. surprising. Uh, they write the scripts. They rehearse for a couple of weeks. The actors do do improv there. Then the writers are observing. They go back. They rewrite the scripts. And then they come back and shoot the scripts. So, uh, you know, it's that kind of inside stuff if you're interested. Plus, it's just fun to see the whole cast of a show on stage. Like, it's a lot of people, but it is fun. Okay. So, yes, Kristen, uh, come on out next year for Paley Fest. Yeah. We'll meet you at one of the panels. Yeah. All right. Next question is from Lois. She says, as a fairly new listener, I'd like to know why some of you have lived in different countries. I think having one sibling do so is quite exciting, but more than one? Thanks. <laughs> so Lois needs a few backstories. So I'll start by explaining that Julie, who's not with us today, Julie is the one sister who has lived in multiple countries for long stretches of time. She lived for five years in Thailand and then five years in Russia. And during that time, during that whole time, we were doing our radio show on the real radio. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, that, so that was her job. But also her husband, the, the previously mentioned international businessman slash uh, geologist, uh, they were in, in these places for, for his job too. So, uh, but we've all, or I, speaking for myself, I've always had an international job. So I spend a lot of time in a lot of crazy countries, not living there uh, the way Julie has, but um, I, I, I get around, Lois. I definitely get around. And various other sisters, we're just, you get Monica, you like to travel places. Lee, and you've done a lot of traveling. We're just, we're just wanderlust, I guess. This is a Dolan feature. And then we did, have, our brother Jim did live abroad. So yes. Megan, if you're, yeah, if you've been listening and you heard Megan, Next Gen, and Catherine, they, they grew up in Morocco and uh, Brazil. Brazil. Mm -hmm. So there you go. It is unusual. But there are a lot of us. So statistically, it pans <laughs> out. <laughs> That's true, Lois. There's part of our backstory that you may not know. Besides the five girls, there are three boys. So yeah, there's not, there's really almost no question that can be asked. Like, well, does anyone in your family ever had? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> when you have a lot of people, yes, yes, uh-huh, that is all true. <laughs> uh, and we did have fun. We had one really good trip to um, to Russia when all of us went, all the, the girls, all the sisters went. It's, uh, Sheila couldn't come, right, because she was teaching. But Monica, you were in Moscow, right? That was a fantastic trip, wasn't it? Yeah, that was trip of a lifetime. Never forget it. 
Me and my little short wool coat. <laughs> The coldest I've ever been in my life. <laughs> Despite repeated advance warnings. <laughs> it's very cold there in February. <laughs> yes, there's a, there's a keen insight. So, um, uh, anyway, so that, and, you know, Lois, Julie is also the one, not only has she lived in some unusual places, but she chooses some unusual vacation spots. So yes, she has vacationed in North Korea and she has vacationed in Kazakhstan. So we do have, she covers a lot of ground. She for gets us. around. Yeah. Really gets around. Okay. Uh, moving along. We have another one here from Naomi. Oh, this is the big finish here. Naomi. Writes, dear sisters, how sad to hear of so many ill-fitting bras. Have you ever considered a custom bra? Sew one yourself or have one created for you. It's true. I'll never go back to ready-to-wear. Check it out at Bra Makers Supply. The best patterns and materials ever. Doesn't a bespoke bra uh, sound divine? It is. You'll never regret it. Treat yourself to affordable comfort. I'm not affiliated with the company. (laughs) Just one happy customer. So... I laughed out loud when I read I this, Naomi. Liz, I love this post so much. The thought of, first of all, God bless, God bless anyone that could make their own bra. Yes. I mean, you really have to have some mad sewing skills. I looked at the website and they all do look beautiful, but I cannot imagine one of the Dolan sisters <laughs> sewing, creating their own bra. No. I laughed so hard. I mean, Liz, we couldn't even make a dirndl skirt, remember? Right, right. Or a pillow in, in seventh grade home. Seventh ed. grade, we had sewing actually in school, and it was it was rough going for the Dolan girls. Yeah, our lowest grades, collectively our lowest grades in any subject. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the idea that people can sew their own I, I had no idea. I don't know. That, how I had no idea. Made. It never dawned on me. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to imagine myself feeding the small underwire through the tiny looping, <laughs> creating the underwire bed. I was like, how would I even do that? <laughs> Plus, I just thought, how could I, am I really going to be better than someone who makes bras for a living? You know, it's if, if, if the one I buy now commercially is ill-fitting, the one I would make myself... <laughs> <laughs> Again, recalling the Durndal skirt. Yes, it's grade. not going to be an improvement on that for sure. <laughs> the I don't think my my first couple of tries are really going to be supportive or comfortable or uh, or actually fit in any way. <laughs> so, um, fantastic suggestion though, Naomi, and I did enjoy all the positive reaction to that in the in the Facebook group. There are you're not the only one out there making your own bra. So, <laughs> so it was just. Surprising. Surprising finding. See, it's like it's like what you were just saying about the family, Leon. Like the yeah, in the Dolan family, almost everything has happened at least once or twice. The same is true in the satellite sisterhood. Like if you if you're Naomi and you're making your own bras, there are other people in the satellite sisterhood who are also making their own bras. Yeah. So you just just put yourself out there in the in the Facebook group, and you are going to find find your bra making tribe. Yeah, it's oh. like we have Cynthia who's making that cheese there in Texas. She's making yeah. that wheel of cheddar like once a week. She's making cheese. <laughs> Delia baking those beautiful wedding cakes. Who does that? I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm so happy someone is doing it. Though, yeah. aren't you? I just. It's good that you're all involved in that kind of stuff because it's not, I, me, I'm not so much the hands-on person, but I'm, I'm, 
I'm happy to pay for that kind of expertise. <laughs> All right. We have a couple of previews of things coming up. I know we're wrapping here. Um, we did record, Monica and Sheila recorded a Lab Rats today. We were having, um, no surprise, some connectivity issues with Sheila. So we that will be posted as a separate show. Monica, you inexplicably tested what? Uh, we tested peanut butter powders. Mm. These are this is powdered peanut butter that you reconstitute with water. Okay. It's about as good as it sounds. Okie dokie. <laughs> so look for that separate uh, podcast to be posted today on the Satellite Sisters feed. And also, sisters, I've just been doing some interviewing on my own here uh, at my HQ in Pasadena. You have? Yeah. First of all, a friend of mine um, introduced me to a healer, okay? And I was <laughs> I was curious about like what that means. So we did a fascinating interview this week with a real healer, a woman who has a gift, uh, Vonda Tish. Shara. So I'm going to post that interview later on in the week. If you're thinking about sort of spring cleaning your life, I think Vonda has some excellent, excellent advice for people. That and, sounds good. And then I had did the funnest interview this week with an old college friend of mine who has gone on to become like a hit country singer songwriter. I know <laughs> it's crazy. My friend Susan, who always sang her whole life, but spent like 10 years in advertising, completely turned her life around 15 years ago when she went to the Berkeley school of music in Boston. Now she teaches there and she also writes and sings and she just put out her fourth album. And so I was so fascinated by like her career change and her writing process and what it's like to be, you know, a 40 something woman on stage in your cowboy boots in Boston, how great that must be. So I did a really fun interview with Susan. Monica, I think you're going to enjoy it because Ooh, yeah. good news. She said the show Nashville is exactly like what it's like to work in Nashville. <laughs> That's what she said. Exactly. Uh, so I thought it would be fun to end this week's show with the preview, one of Susan's new songs called Worth the Whiskey. It's uh, the big hit off her album. Mm-hmm. So we're in some real music from Susan Catanio and you will hear the whole interview. I'll post it um, hopefully today, but in the next couple days for sure. Okay. That is really great, Leanne. Yeah. Just doing some stuff. Just talking to some people. No, I'm in for your friend. Isn't it incredible? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I know. I mean, and I'll totally listen to those interviews. Yeah. Yeah. Liz, I think the healer, she's got some things to say. I think you might want be interested in because I, you know, I was sort of a skeptic and suspicious, but she completely wins you over about, you know, what you need to do to sort of clean the energy in your house. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. No, it's spring cleaning in sort of the essential way. So anyway, listen for uh, those special podcasts coming up on Satellite Sisters. All right, you guys, I got to get going. This has been a long day. Yes. (laughs) What the heck? It's these connectivity issues. Oh, people. I know. We're not cutting Sheila out. And (laughs) it's just, she can't, what is happening? We don't know. (laughs) We're so much more patient than we get credit for. (laughs) All right, everybody. Have a great week. And don't forget, call your satellite system. Shots in air.
Where you are. 